Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sky and Daniel back with you. It has been a feels like a long time. It's been about a month. We took the NFL postseason off, but we are back with you to recap and finish up 2018 and get into 2019 over the next month leading up to the NFL draft in late April and getting into draft season. As always, you can find us on Instagram with the hashtag TCKPod at the Candlestick Kids. And you can find us at our email address, TCKPod at gmail.com. Make sure you send your early draft questions and uh, maybe dynasty questions, keeper questions, whatever you got you're looking for, send it to that email or DM us on Instagram and we will get back to you. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Hey, TCK Potters, I want to give a shout out to Anchor, which is the podcast avenue we record with to bring you these episodes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. Like, how do I record a podcast? How do I record an episode? How do I get the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast onto all of the apps that people are listening to? And how can I reach as many people as possible for free and make money at the same time from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you up with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. Gaining some revenue from those podcast sponsors is essential to making necessary upgrades to the podcast and your overall brand. I appreciate how user-friendly Anchor is and how we can record our episodes via our computers or over the phone, similar to a voice memo or a phone call, and we can record these episodes, edit them down as needed, upload them, and boom, the episode is ready to launch. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and even make money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. One more time, that's Anchor. Dot fm slash start i can't wait to hear your podcast now it's time to say Not quite your storybook ending, huh? Not for us anyway. But you men played like champions. You never gave up. And champions hold their heads high. Well, better luck next year. (laughs) I I learned a lot. Things are going to be different for me now. That's a weird thing to say. (laughs) I'm going home now. I'm taking my vacation. In case I don't see you. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Daniel, my man, how are you doing, brother? It's been a while. 
It has been way, way too long, my friend. Long time no see. Uh, yeah, man, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of having to mentally transition back into fantasy football here. I've been, uh, I've been all into fantasy basketball right now. I'm 15 and two. I've clinched Ooh. the playoffs. Feeling, feeling, feeling pretty good about where I'm at right now. I smell a championship. So, uh, but anyway, that is that is that is the wrong sport today. We're talking about football. Talking about the uh, the pitifulness that was my 2018. <laughs> fantasy football season but that's all right well before we get into the football really quickly uh i pay attention enough to to uh, basketball of course living in uh, oregon the only professional team we have at all is the portland trailblazers uh growing up in the bay area of course a warriors fan that's been fun the last handful of years but i do not play fantasy basketball and i don't pay attention enough quickly give me and the listeners who maybe also uh, are strictly football as far as fantasy goes Give me um, the Mahomes, the Gurley, the Antonio Brown, the Travis Kelsey of uh, <laughs> fantasy basketball. Oh, man. Well, the Mahomes, let's see, the Mahomes this year has undoubtedly been Luka Doncic, who's the, the kind of the rookie phenom for the Dallas Mavericks, who's putting up, you know, averaging 20 points and nearly 10 boards a game. Uh, his first year, he's just absolutely been tearing it up. Uh, the girly uh, James Harden. James Harden's. I, I, what's I can't remember what his streak is at now. Forty set, or something. Uh, it... Something like forty. You know, 40, 40 games or something along. I can't remember how many games, but a, t- a gazillion games scoring at least thirty points uh, by far a record. So he's just sort of the uh, sort of the the bell cow, if you will, of basketball. I'll say. Um, I'm just going to make make a, a personal rep for my guy Paul George, who has been unbelievable this year. Just last night, he finished with. 47 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, two steals, and eight three-pointers, which, needless to say, is an effective fantasy performance. Um, and he's been doing that virtually every night. Um, I got him in the second round, and he's been one of the top fantasy performers in the league. So uh, if, if it was a keeper league, which it's not, he would definitely be uh, Quickly, Quickly um, on that note, really quick while I can pipe in while I can, the, uh, on the Paul George, yeah. again, I don't do fantasy basketball. I'm not super in tune on basketball in general, but I do, you know, watch ESPN and, and pay attention enough. Um, I saw a stat the other day, which might be wrong at this point, but I think it was a couple of days ago. Uh, James Harden had at, to, at that point, like 73, like, what is it? 40 point games. That seems like a lot, but again, I don't really know. It's, it's, it's called 73, 30 point, 40 point games, whatever in his career. Of all those games, of every single one of those games, he had not been outscored individually until a couple nights ago when Paul George outscored him by three or four or five points or whatever, um, and they both went over 40. Anyway, I thought that was an incredible stat that James Harden has been unbelievable, but individually with all of those uh, accolades individually, he's never been outscored personally in that game until the other night with Paul George uh, going off. And I saw what Paul George is back-to-back – uh, 40 point games where he scored like 92 points in the last two games or something ridiculous. So, um, yeah, he's, he's, doing, he's doing unbelievable things. And he, you know, he's one of the best defenders in the league. He, he's, uh, I think leading the league in steals as well. Uh, you know, so he just, he does it all. Woo. All right. Well, give me a, yeah. give me, um, who, who's been like a, a waiver wire, a waiver wire stud in basketball. And then we'll move on here. Oh man, there's been a bunch. Uh, I think for for me personally, I've been I've been really high on uh, on this guy Josh Jackson, who's uh, plays for Phoenix, who's just in general Phoenix is terrible, and they're and they're kind of trying to work up all their young talent. Um, and and Josh Jackson was frustrating for like the whole year. He's just shooting terribly, and then the last like couple of weeks, he's all of a sudden just become almost unstoppable. He's shooting what better? He gets a ton of rebounds. He's a great defender. Um, so he's been my guy personally. Um, 
I'm sure there's probably plenty of, there's always a number of kind of waiver wire targets in basketball that end up going off um, and having huge years, but, uh, but he, he's my guy personally. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for the basketball breakdown uh, for the listeners tuning in or like, what the <laughs> hell are you guys doing? <laughs> I appreciate it, man. We're, you know, you and I and, and, and Curly too, who we'll get back to and, and Drew Missick and uh, who was jumping on the DFS podcast. We're going to have some new team members hopefully this year on the TCK pod. So if you're interested in joining the TCK pod team, hit us up on the DM or the, or the uh, Gmail, and let us know how you can contribute to the podcast or Instagram. But um, we're sports fans in general. I think uh, I personally take a, a liking fantasy wise to football. Um, I'm, I'm more of a football, definitely a baseball fan as well, but not so much in fantasy. So I know that you play basketball. Uh, we've also been involved in, in uh, baseball and hockey and shit over the years. So anyway, it's fun, man. It's been a long time. We haven't talked fantasy sports together for quite a while. I appreciate the breakdown. Thank you so much. But people are tuning in uh, for the football breakdown. So let's get into that now. What I'd like to do today is just do one of, you know, kind of the first of a few recap episodes for you and I. Uh, if listeners want to tune back the calendar to August, uh, late July, August of last year, um, you and I put in a bunch of predictions. We made some calls and things like that leading up to the draft season. And uh, in the next month or so, we're going to be recapping how we did on that and really, honestly, call, you know, call our shot, give ourselves a pat on the back when we uh, nailed it and also kind of eat shit when we didn't. Um, and going back and looking at yeah. that, honestly, man, I, I think you and I both did better than I expected us to do uh, in our first year of doing this podcast, but it kind of gave gave us a little street cred, which I'm excited to share. But we also, <laughs> as you can imagine, fell pretty flat on our face on a few calls as well. So we're definitely going to be sure we're going to be transparent about this. We want to be real uh, with the listeners. So I'm excited to get into those today. I want to get into just a couple things that we learned about the 2018 NFL season and fantasy football season individually or put together kind of things that we can recap and maybe uh, learn from and move into 2019 with, as well as go over some um, different league settings and potential strategies. Uh, if you're into uh, QB leagues, dynasty leagues, PPR standard um, 10 team, 12 team, whatever, go over some of those different formats that you can get into going into 2019 and finish up the episode with our first mock draft of 2019. So we've got a lot to do today, but um, we're going to, we're going to blaze through it as quickly as we can. Uh, let's get right into this, man. I, I think, you know, one of the first things that I learned uh, this season was just the magnitude of the scoring that the rules the NFL has put into place as far as um, defenses, uh, you know, inability to do all these things, late hits, low hits, head to head penalties. Not that I disagree necessarily on like a safety standpoint, but holy shit, dude, it has <laughs> opened the door for these teams to be just absolutely flooding the scoreboards as we saw with the Rams and the Chiefs teams all season long. And basically the NFL wants scoring uh, 2000. 18, excuse me, 2018 was the second highest points per game total by the entire league in NFL history at a uh, 23.3 clip per game. So that's every team combined, every game combined, that's three touchdowns plus uh, per game per team uh, in the NFL, which is the highest since 2013, which is the highest of NFL history, which is actually 23.4, just 0.1 per game. Uh, point per game more. Um, so basically the NFL has, was absolutely on fire this year. The most points per game in the league 
since 2000. That's what they want. Exactly. They want. <laughs> since 2013. Yeah, and they got sure. it. And a quick fun fact in my research I thought was awesome. <clears throat> I looked up the uh, highest points per game in NFL history and 2013 is number one, 2018, this, this past season was number two. But if you go all the way back to 1948, actually, that is the largest points per game in NFL history at 23.6, which would actually be 0.2 higher than last season. But we're not going to count that as they only had 10 teams. Now, of course, uh, we're up to, we're up to the full slate of 30, uh, 32 teams or 28 teams. Um, but anyway, I thought that was, uh, I thought, or 32 teams, excuse me. I thought that was a cool stat that, um, actually 1948 <laughs> had a higher points per game average, but they only had, uh, 10 teams to go there. So anyway, my point being right. the NFL, uh, is, is scoring high. The ratings are higher. Yeah. People want to see people scoring and I'm not going to get into a Super Bowl recap right now. Uh, we can either do that at a later time. I've already done Instagram posts about it. I feel like we've kind of rinsed that out of the system. But people, I think, were frustrated on the Super Bowl because of the lack of scoring. But as Curly brought up in a group text with between UI and him, it was a great game, like an NFL football game. It was a good game. It was a struggle both ways. Both teams were competitive the whole way through. But the general fan wants to see points, wants to see action, wants to see touchdowns. And the NFL is certainly delivering uh, seemingly yep. for the next couple of, of seasons coming forward because um, – you know, with all these rules in place and then the young talent and people like Patrick Mahomes and Saquon Barkley uh, coming into the league and lighting it up, I don't I don't see it toning down anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a trend that's actually happening in all, I would say, the major sports. Baseball, they've narrowed the strike zone. They've In a lot of the, the extreme pitcher-friendly ballparks, they've moved in the fences to try to create more home runs. Um, so, so, you know, there's been a lot of kind of push pushing towards this both in terms of rule changes and in terms of structural changes and things along those basketball, lines. And, and I think basketball, even basketball, basketball, look at these teams that are putting up 150 points a right. game. Some of these, you know, in these extreme scoring games now, uh, and they've changed the rules to sort of make that, make that happen. Well, just so, the gameplay too, like the Curry, sorry yeah. to jump back to basketball folks, but yeah, the, no, the, no. <laughs> the, the Curry, the James Harden, I mean, like these guys yeah. who just do this, Steph Curry's fucking ridiculous. We're not going to get into him. Yes. But the fact that he just – he <laughs> takes a ball, dribbles twice over the half-court line and just says, eh, fuck it, chucks it. Yeah. <laughs> chucks it from, like, schoolyard distance threes and hits them most of the time. I mean, yeah, like – it's it, and, sure. and it's not like he's just chucking them up. Like, he makes most of them. He's that good. But the rest of right. the league, kids are in middle school. You know, I – in my in my other life, I referee uh, YMCA elementary middle school uh, age games on the weekends and stuff like that. And you see at this level now, kids are just chucking the ball. And we used to do that in school too, but we weren't any good. Kids are learning how to do that now, and they're good at it. It's pretty incredible, yeah, man, that like that style of play has changed the game. Patrick Mahomes is changing yeah. the game. Deshaun Watson is changing the game. I mean, like – Shit is getting crazy, man. So it's it's been fun to watch. I'm excited about it. Uh, but that was just one thing I learned that like the NFL and I guess you know you know pro sports in general recognize that people want to see scoring. They want to see those bets getting higher. They want to see the uh, increased excitement of the game. And what it is is points on the board. And and they're certainly I don't want to use rigged, uh, but they're influencing the game uh, to create such an atmosphere. No doubt. No doubt. Um, and as long as I will say, as, as long as they're influencing it in a way that's that's fair and even across teams, I have no problem with that. But um, but yeah, I, I agree. I kind of, you know, I've, 
regarding the Super Bowl, I won't talk too much about it. I think I think a, a bigger issue with with that was just that it it felt more lopsided than what the score was. But but you're right. I think the the majority of of fans who watched that and were disappointed just wanted to see. Uh, you know, Tom Brady and Jared Goff get into a shootout where they're firing touchdowns back and forth. And it just didn't happen. Um, and, uh, and you know, it is what it is. So no big, no big deal. But it is something to keep, keep an eye on in terms of, you know, uh, uh, fantasy drafting as, as these Mahomes-like characters and, and these kind of high-powered pass-heavy offenses are, are starting to take hold more. Um, this is something to keep in your mind on draft day for sure. Definitely matters. Definitely matters. I agree. I'll move on to my second uh, thing that I learned this year. Let's go through all three of mine, and then we'll we'll jump into your three as well. Uh, okay. My second thing that I learned was that an early running back, an early round running back, will make or break your team. I was going to mention that it can make or break your team, but I mentioned that last year in doing my research. It's obvious that it will make or break your team. Injuries happen, suspensions happen, uh, guys lose their jobs, um, and I'm th- I'm thinking of all the hype for Royce Freeman, and it's, he he seemingly did nothing wrong. Philip Lindsay comes out of nowhere, steals his job the entire season until he got hurt. Um, James Conner with Lev Bell and all these other things. So guys appear, guys fade, but an early round running back will make or break your team. Of the top 12 running backs, according to the ADP leading up to the, uh, from the 2018 drafts, five of those top 12 running backs, according to ADP, finished the season as a top 12 running back overall. Christian McCaffrey, Gurley, Barkley, Kamara, and Zeke finished in the top 12 of all players. That's Mahomes, A.B., Devontae Adams, D-Hop, everybody. So very, very important to have one of those top uh, 12 players in fantasy. Of course, all five of those guys were league winners, no doubt. The next highest running back was James Conner at 28th overall, which is obviously Mm -hmm. a significant drop there. Eight of those running backs in the top 12 finished the season as an RB1 overall, which is great longevity there for the top 12 running backs picked. Eight of them finished as an RB1 that everybody hoped for. Lev Bell sat out, of course. We don't need to go into that. Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, and Devontae Freeman all faced uh, either season-ending injury, season injuries, uh, season-lengthened injuries. Dalvin Cook, of course, didn't play for a long time. Fournette was a joke. Devontae Adams left in week three, which is really very uh, tough for, for owners and, frankly, lost – uh, fantasy owners, uh, the league potentially, unless they they were able to, um, you know, get those backups and those handcuffs in a, uh, a, a decent amount of time in the draft or make a trade or something like that. Um, I've been a zero RB drafter for the past couple of seasons. Uh, I won our league of record this year, um, which was kind of cheating, obviously, because I had Kamara as my 10th round pick as a keeper, which certainly helped. But I've been a zero RB guy for a handful of years and been very successful making the playoffs in all my leagues and going pretty deep most seasons. However, I think that's going to change this season and potentially moving forward with the running back becoming more and more valuable. Once again, in fantasy football, especially in PPR leagues with these running backs like Zeke, James Conner, Gurley, Kamara, um, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Barkley, these guys that can catch the ball as well. So they're basically a, a middle tier uh, receiver and a top tier running back. Your boy, Melvin Gordon, um, aside from a couple of weeks of an injury and stuff like that, very, very, very valuable. So I will be, depending on my draft position, of course, but I will be targeting a top five running back in my drafts in 2019. Yep. I'll, I'll save my commentary for that. Cause I actually, one of my, one of my three things that I learned is, is kind of related to what you're saying. It's different, but uh, very relevant. So I'll save my, my commentary for that. And I'll just let you move on to your third. Great. My third is drafting a quarterback late and a tight end early 
is a very smart move in today's fantasy football. Uh, but you got to make sure to get a quarterback with upside and a high floor in those late rounds and get a backup tight end in case one of your top three goes down. Um, <laughs> let's take, let's take Mahomes out of it because you know, yep. we know, we know that he cheats and it's not really fair for stats. So we're going to take Mahomes out. Let's go with the quarterback too. That was big Ben this year, which is very surprising actually that he was the second quarterback. I was, I was surprised there, but big Ben quarterback, number two, Quarterback number 12, Curly's buddy, Kirk Cousins. Right. QB2, QB12 are separated by only 55.1 total points on the season. Mm. Not very much. Mahomes, right. I feel like, was putting that up in a game. Um, <laughs> that's just 3.44 points per game. So, again, less than a field goal, half a touchdown if you're playing six-point uh, touchdowns for quarterbacks. They're separated by just 3.44 points per game. Um over the entire season. If you're taking a later round quarterback in round six to 10, which I recommend, uh, or later, um, you can stack up those running backs and those receivers in those middle rounds. Uh, for me, it's going to be Mahomes in the, you know, late second round. If I have like the first, and we'll see how the, how the ADP shake out of the season. Again, this is, this is February. It's very early and shit. Things are going to change. Sure. But if I was drafting today and the season was tomorrow, I'm looking at like Mahomes. I hate, I mean, this is crazy if you're one of those late QB guys, but I'm looking at Mahomes. Say I have the first pick in the draft, second pick in the draft overall. I get that like way swing pick. I'm looking like 24, 25, 30th pick in the second round. I might go Mahomes uh, as the last pick in the, in the second round or the first pick in the third round, or Ooh. I'm going to wait till like the fourth or fifth for like maybe a Rodgers or a Luck, depending how you feel, or I'm straight up going to wait till the 6th to 10th round where I can scoop a breeze, maybe a Russell Wilson falls, maybe Deshaun Watson's still around, maybe a Dak Prescott even, some of those other guys, a Goff, you know, some of those guys with the upside. So for me, it's going to be Mahomes or bust at the top, or I'm going to wait all the way till the 6th or, or you know, 10th round for a quarterback. Um, before I get into the tight ends, do you have any quarterback uh, comments or anything like that? Uh, not too much. I, I was going to kind of get into that a little bit with mine as well, but, but yeah, I agree is, you know, just in general, there's, uh, the, I mean, one of the things you said that I've sort of been, been aware of for, for a while is just that the difference people think that, that, you know, they say take QB one and they say take QB 12 and they say, well, that's, that must be a huge difference there, but there's not for the most part, QBs are relatively, uh, you know, you, they have a relatively small range in points, particularly with the within Q, the domain of QB ones. So, uh, you know, it's definitely whereas whereas as you said, there's a huge difference between the top running backs and the later running backs, right? I mean, yep. the difference is gigantic. Uh, same with too. same with receivers too. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, uh, so definitely, you know, be uh, be willing to wait unless you have a shot at at Mahomes and you feel like you're not overpaying or some, you know, one of the other tops, feel free to, to wait until uh, the, the middle or middle to middle late rounds to jump on a, a upside quarterback. Yes, totally agree. And, and again, really quick, just looking at last year's stats again, Mahomes was up at 400 points. Ben big Ben was number two at 327. So we're talking right. like 60 point difference, which is right. fucking unnecessary. Right. But everybody else uh, who wasn't playing Madden, is really, you know, pretty similar. Um, you take points per game. They're very, very similar within like three to five points per game. Total points, again, they're only separated by 55 all the way from QB1 or QB2 to QB12. And I'm looking at those later guys 
um, with with the uh, with the points, and I'm looking at Tom Brady, Trubisky, Prescott, Eli Baker, uh, Derek Carr, Keenum. Some of those guys, none of them were super sexy the whole season. Yeah, but they definitely had up games. And if you're playing that streamer game, you can really do it. I'm not a huge fan of it. I took Rogers last year in the third round in our league of record, and he did enough because the rest of my team was pretty stacked, and he didn't suck. Yeah, but <laughs> that could have been that could have been risky if I didn't have Antonio Brown, if I didn't have Alvin Kamara. There's no way he would have carried my team. Right. Um, so I, I think, again, another strategy that I don't do, I might be looking to stream the quarterback if I don't get Mahomes in the second, third round. Uh, and again, even doing that's risky. If he gets hurt, you're fucked. <laughs> so that could be that could be tough there. I'll move on to my tight ends and then we'll get to your your uh, uh, learned um, three things here coming up for the tight end position. Uh, for me, this is really easy. I think this is everybody across fantasy football. You either go with the top three guys early in the draft, late second, middle to late second round, it looks like with ADP, or first pick in the third round. You're looking at Kelsey, you're looking at Ertz, you're looking at Kittle in whatever order you think is best at this point. Um, but doing my research, it's, it's not even close. I mean, you go with the, one of these three guys or you just wait till the end of your draft yep. and pick who you – have a hunch that might have upside like an OJ Howard and Eric Ebron, you know, uh, uh, Hunter Henry coming back, somebody like that and try to find the George Kittle of this year. Um, the, the Zach Ertz of last year, you know, those kind of guys, uh, Travis Kelsey, 283.4 uh, points total, which is number one on the season, 18.9 points per game, which would have been good for the wide receiver eight between Julio Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster for total points and between Odell Beckham and Juju for points per game. Zach Ertz, 275 total on the year, 18.4 points per game, which would have been good for wide receiver number nine between Juju and Robert Woods for total points and Juju and Keenan Allen for points per game. Last but not least, George Kittle, 228.8, who again, caught fire at the end of the season, of course, and actually set the NFL record for wide, uh, uh, receiving yards by a tight end, breaking Kelsey's record in the same day, which I thought was epic. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think they should give, they should give Kelsey a little like uh, a one B or something plaque or something like you should get credit for that somehow. But George Kittle, 228.8 total on the season, 15.3 points per game, which is good for wide receiver 15 between Odell Beckham and Tyler Boyd on the season or uh, Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller for points per game. So if you took these three tight ends and you put them with the wide receivers, you're talking you have the wide receiver 8, 9, and 15 on the season. And if you're, you know, I think the people that are against the tight end early, which last year I think all of us were in like get Kelsey early. It was Gronk, and of course he fell off, whatever. But it was Gronk early, it was Kelsey early, it was Ertz early. And I think all of us were on the podcast were deciding that that's a good move. And if you don't get one of those guys, then you just flip the dice and see what happens. But this year, I think it's even more mandatory because we see these guys and how effective they can actually be. Nobody's going to think twice about picking the 8th, ninth, or 15th receiver in the second, third round, right? right? Especially in the PPR league. And these tight ends are so much more valuable, in my opinion, because they set themselves – in a whole nother class within that position itself. So if you're playing a tight end strict position, one of these three guys and probably one or two more that are going to birth out of 2019, we don't know yet are going to be leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else by 50, 60, 80 points at the end of the season. Whereas that receiver eight, nine, 15 are probably going to end up, you know, somewhat the middle of the pack uh, with comparative to other receivers. So 
I guess what I'm saying is I'm making a case for the, the tight end late. If you don't go with a Mahomes, Rodgers, or Luck, test your might there. Go late on the tight end uh, or go late on the QB or go heavy at the tight end as well. Kelsey Ertz, Kittle, whoever you think uh, is, is your best option there. Or go way late on the uh, tight ends as well and, and, and stream there. Um, do you have any disagreements? And uh, if so, or either way, you can maybe segue into your, uh, your three uh, learned things from 2018. Sure. I, I, I come kind of chuckling over here, but I, I, I absolutely agree with everything you said. It's perfectly sound reasoning, especially with the specific players that you mentioned, but I'm just laughing. Cause I, I had that exact strategy going into the, our draft in the league of record. This it went with and I ended up with Gronk who, and I think we all know how that played out. Uh, but, but really, really quick. I was yeah. going to mention something about Gronk yeah, yeah, really quickly, really quickly about, about Gronk though. Gronk, I think now three years ago, Gronk was obviously the original Kittle and Ertz and, and Kelsey, right? For sure. Um, and, and Jimmy Graham before that and, and Greg uh, Olson and, and all these guys. He's, he's the best. He's the best to he, ever, he's, to ever he, play that position, I think. I totally agree. Tony yeah. Gonzalez, like back in the day too when fantasy was really getting hot, totally. This last year, he, he almost retired coming into 2018. Right. De- yeah, decided true. to play. Had a couple decent games, was an absolute machine in the playoffs as a blocker. Right. <laughs> he may or may not he may or may not retire in the next week. If he doesn't and he comes back, I think he'll be more of just that like big body blocker with a couple touchdowns. Gronk is not Gronk for fantasy anymore, but last year I don't think you saw the cliff happening per se because he was healthy. That's right. the difference. He didn't right. actually get hurt. Right. I well, I mean he's just old and broken, but he didn't like get hurt hurt. So I don't think it was a bad draft by you. I think this year it's more safe barring an injury because Kelsey Ertz and Kittle are all young. And I think at the tight end position, approaching their prime. And these guys are becoming what Gronk was three to five years ago versus Gronk was at the tail end of it anyway. And that was a risk that blew up in your face. But I don't think it was the wrong call at the time coming in. This year, though, Kelsey Ertz and Kittle, barring an injury, I think are fucking phenomenal, dude, honestly. But go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. The the Gronk thing can't be taken too hard because of his situation. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And and Gronk is not Kelsey, who's not Ertz, you know, who's not Kittle. I mean, you know, these – Right. These are these are unique talents who who you know could go in very different directions. So it's always you know there's always risk with any of these types of picks, but um, but yeah, I, you know I think I, I agree with you. I think you definitely uh, you know spring for one of those three guys. Football is a volatile sport, though. You definitely take uh, a backup tight end, maybe potentially earlier than you would have. I think um, I did that with with Jack Doyle uh, when I drafted Gronk early and then picked Jack Doyle. Um, you know. I think in kind of the middle late rounds of who unfortunately was hurt for most of the year. So uh, I kind of lost on all fronts in that regard, but, uh, but nonetheless, I think, I, I think you're right. I mean, tight end is becoming a position where there's, there's a pretty significant uh, kind of like running back and, and receiver where there's pretty substantial gaps between the top guys and the later guys. So um, I agree. I think you take one of the top three early and then if you miss them, you, you pick, you kind of wait and take some later round guys with upside. Uh, you mentioned Howard and, and, some other folks back there, I think, are, are perfectly good strategies. Cool. Okay, so I'll go ahead and get into my three things that I learned. So first, uh, just going to kind of touch on quarterbacks for a second. I just think uh, one thing to, be, to keep in mind going into next year's draft is to uh, – I'm going to make a concerted effort to target second-year quarterbacks. Um, we saw second-year quarterbacks make, make huge leaps in performance uh, this past year. Obviously, you've talked about Mahomes enough. Uh, he was basically – My dog, there. Watson. 
Deshaun Watson, uh, with, a, with a, a few hiccup games for the most part, gave us a terrific sophomore year. Uh, even Mitch Trubisky was actually surprisingly useful. Um, I think just in today's NFL, uh, kind of one of the keys to success for an NFL team is to get a ton of value from quarterbacks on rookie contracts. So teams are putting insane amounts of, of resources and energy into developing young quarterbacks. So I would not be, I mean, I think obviously Baker Mayfield is going to be a popular target. There's no question there, but I, I'm going to say the same thing for Sam Darnold. Um, and I'm going to say the same thing for Lamar Jackson. I think we're going to Josh Allen even dude. Josh Allen. I'm, I'm not ready to get on the jo- uh, Josh Rosen train yet, but, uh, but those other guys uh, uh, we mentioned, I think uh, are, are primed to have monster fantasy years. Uh, potentially. I wouldn't be surprised if all of those guys produce QB one numbers. Um, Dude, I love that take. I think that's great. Yeah, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. So I think I think definitely keep an eye out when you're looking at quarterbacks. Uh, keep an eye on the second year guys. I think these are these are these are potential breakouts uh, in the making. Um, teams are really motivated to get a lot of value uh, from quarterbacks on relatively inexpensive contracts. So uh, that's going to be my first one. Any other takes from you on that, or should I? Shall I? Move? I was just I was just going to mention that I think that that just goes right in line with what I was saying. So we're basically. Uh, we're basically long-winded agreeing um, that <laughs> right. that that essentially with with those second-year quarterbacks, you can get all those guys, with the exception of maybe Baker, because he brings. I think he's just going to be that next elite option eventually. With the exception of Baker, I think you get all those other guys late. You know, tenth yeah. round plus, um, and maybe even Baker, depending on how 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 it shakes out and things. Um, you know, obviously now they have Kareem Hunt. Like, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Is he going to replace uh, Duke Johnson, which is a conversation to have later because we don't know what his suspension all that shit is. I'll save it. Right. But nonetheless, the Browns are fucking stacked for the first time in like 60 years. So they might be a whole uh, a fun game there. But I think to your point, all those other um, second round, uh, second year quarterbacks coming in who had, sh- you know, shining success, uh, here and there last year, I think that are going to have a, a great opportunity this year as well. And you can get all those guys late. So if you risk it with a Rogers or a luck, I highly recommend you scoop a Josh Allen or, or Lamar Jackson, um, you know, late and just kind of sit on them just in case and, and see how things develop. But I think that's a great take. Yep. hundred percent. Cool. Cool. Um, kind of moving on to, well, mostly I'm talking about running backs here, but I guess this could kind of go for, for a lot of, a lot of different positions, but um, I've, almost as a rule over the course of my entire fantasy football playing career, um, I have, I have made it a point to not care about the preseason. I have basically Mm. said, you know, preseason ultimately doesn't matter. Uh, Mostly for the most part, coaches are going to be talking a bunch of nonsense. It doesn't have any bearing on what's going to happen in the, in the regular season. I'm officially going back on that stance and I'm going to, this upcoming year, I'm actually going to take the preseason a little bit more seriously, not in terms really of performance, but in terms of usage. Um, for example, uh, uh, the, the, kind of the, the best case for this this past year is the Carolina Panthers, who were talking up Christian McCaffrey for all the preseason. He's going to dominate. He dominated all the preseason snaps. Uh, they were they were sort of saying that um, uh, uh, they kind of had some. Uh, I was should say kind of mixed words and actions. I think they kind of were in, in interviews, they were saying, well, maybe he's not a bell cow. Um, but then in pre, in terms of his preseason usage, he absolutely dominated the snaps. Um, and it became clear that the Panthers were going to give him a ton of touches and lo and behold, they did. Uh, and McCaffrey was an absolute machine in both the rushing and the passing game. Um, and so, and this is kind of a, a, gets into a broader point about just kind of keeping in mind that production is just so tied 
to situation and coaching decisions. Uh, a good example this year is David Johnson. I in no way think David Johnson is not a good player, but he was in a miserable offense and a coaching staff that never could figure out how to use him. Um, in the preseason, Adam Gase talked all about how Kenyon Drake was not going to be deployed as a feature back. A lot of people, including myself, ignored that and said, well, they don't really have anybody else. He's going to become a feature back. And instead, he was basically just used for fun trick plays meant to piss Skyler off. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, I think it's kind of uh, the takeaway here is just kind of pay attention to the team situation. Talent doesn't always win. Uh, we saw that you already mentioned Royce Freeman. Um, I think Royce Freeman is incredibly talented, but the coaches just fell in love with Philip Lindsay and for good reason, Philip Lindsay was great. Um, so, so, you know, you, it, it's important to kind of keep an eye on preseason. It's important to keep an eye on kind of the entire offense, our offensive situation, um, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that's going to be kind of my second take is just pay attention to the preseason a little bit. Again, not as much performance. I don't care if, you know, Todd Gurley only averages three yards a carry in the preseason you know, I do care about, uh, about usage. I totally agree, man. And, and, and also there's things that we can't necessarily predict per se, but we can pay attention to like running back committees. I think that's a big one. I, yes. I, I think one of, one of the biggest, I think that was frustrating this year was just how ridiculous the running back by committee was in Philadelphia right. coming. Right. And, and I think everyone expected new England to be the way that was. And everybody still produces. Sony Michelle was a beast. Your boy, James white. Got it done. Rex Burkhead came back and he was awesome. James Devlin, of course, taking some some touchdowns, but he's super sick. I think sure. I think the biggest thing in, in Philadelphia was though that everyone drafted Jay Ajayi, who I told everyone to stay away from because I was worried about it. Sure enough, he fucking blows his knee. He's done for the year. And um, next man up, Wendell Smallwood. Great. Uh, psych, Corey Clement, you know. Psych, they get uh, what was it, Josh Adams? Um, you know, they get, I mean, they had all these guys coming through, it might be more ridiculous this year. They could potentially land Le'Veon Bell. I mean, there's so many things I think going on and running back by committees that um can be really dangerous when you're looking for a bell cow guy. So, I guess you know, again, to my point with the running backs, a lot of what goes into a first round running back is a guy that's going to be the quote unquote bell cow, and he might get you know subbed out a little bit, like Melvin Gordon got spelled by Austin Eckler quite a bit, but it never really hurt Melvin Gordon's value because honestly, when they got inside the red zone and Melvin Gordon was healthy, best believe he's the one getting the touches. He's getting a little screen past the draw and getting the touchdowns. Austin Eckler's just getting chunk plays and letting Melvin Gordon score, you know, um, James Connor with uh, Jalen Samuels and all these other things. So I think your point is, is again, I think very important because uh, those, the, the preseason, I too don't really, carry much weight into the fantasy season but because it's football and i'm a fucking nerd and i can't wait for it i do watch a handful of those games and you every once in a while two years ago my last take here two years ago um i saw Dak prescott play uh for the cowboys he played i think it was like two drives for the cowboys in, in their last preseason game and i just happened to check it out and see whatever he like he threw for like 150 yards, two touchdowns, and like five beautiful balls on those two drives, and I was like, dude, I'm in love. Sure enough, <laughs> sure enough, Tony goes down. He gets the start in his rookie season. Or was this three years ago? I guess in his rookie season, Dak Prescott crushed. You know, again, I just think you can see some of those things. Now, sometimes it's fool's gold, obviously, but I think a lot of times. Um, you know, you can like you brought up uh, Christian McCaffrey. Norv Turner is notorious for using one back. I was all about C.J. Anderson 
uh, preseason when he was still with Carolina. And I didn't pay attention to the Norv Turner situation. And halfway through the season, I was kicking my own ass because that was something I overlooked and it came back to bite me. So I think, I think that's another great take with, uh, with paying attention to the preseason with, you know, with a grain of salt kind of a thing. But again, that's when you find out who is going to be the next man up or how the coaches coach at least. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just this, you know, I think people get too, too hyped up into certain aspects of the preseason and don't pay attention to other things, but everything you just said, I agree with in terms of paying attention to committees, paying attention to usage, all these sorts of things. Um, and then my last one, this is probably going to sound really stupid to most people. If you're listening to the podcast, you play fantasy football, you probably know this stuff. I, for some reason, have never found it useful to take this type of advice, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and take it now. Is that just balance your team between sort of high risk, high reward players and more stable these are things i i i found out this year there is such a thing as having too many fucking receiving backs as it turns out i was i think (laughs) in our our league of record i think i took what i take uh chris thompson james white Tariq cohen and bilal powell right all of those guys were on that team in my defense i i have i think i i've never actually said this on the podcast but i was really high when i did that draft actually (laughs) (laughs) it's okay folks i live in california it's legal here it's all good but um, but anyway, yeah, I was just like, I, I, I for some reason thought that I would I would ride to victory on the strength of receiving backs, and you know you're not going to do that as it turns out. James White uh, was was a monster at various points during the year. Tariq Cohen had a lot of big games. Uh, both of these guys are players to look into, no doubt. But um, you know, balance your balance your team between sort of guys like that that are going to be useful in the passing game, rack up PPR points, and guys that you think are going to blow up. Uh, in terms of uh, receiving yards or blow up in terms of uh, touches, uh, running back touches. Um, if you think that, um, you know, somebody's uh, going to win a running back battle or something like that, you know, these are things to kind of weigh, these are decisions to weigh when you, when you draft, don't just go based on your rankings uh, necessarily. Um, so, yeah, so that's going to be my last one. I think most people will find that one kind of obvious, but I guess I'm a little slow on the uptake um, in that regard. So, uh, so yeah, anyway, there it is. I think two points there. I think first of all, which is most obvious, is that it's it's uh, format dependent. Yes. Um, if you're in a, if you're in a full if you're in a full point PPR, especially or uh, or a half uh, point, then those those guys that you mentioned, Tariq Cohen, Chris Thompson, even if he stays healthy, you know, um, James White, things like that, like those guys are super valuable. They're extra valuable um, because they get uh, credit for all those catches as well in a standard league. I don't want to say they don't matter because they obviously do, but they're certainly not as valuable. Right. My second point would be uh, we're, we're primarily a full PPR podcast and I just don't like standard formatting period, which is a whole nother conversation, but at least half point PPR for me. Um, but I think like I, I look at a guy like Tariq Cohen versus a Jordan Howard, which was a constant pod uh, podcast topic this year with, mm. with you having Tariq Cohen and Curly having Jordan Howard and, and battling each week of like, who is going to be the dude. Some weeks they both got theirs. Some weeks, neither of them got theirs. Most weeks they evened each other out with Tariq Cohen getting a bunch of catches and yardage and Jordan Howard getting, you know, 20, you know, 15 carries for 35 yards, but two touchdowns. Yeah. It, it's kind of weird because there's some of those running backs that like, just like Derrick Henry, they only run the ball, but we saw what happened at the end of the season when they use him 30 times a game, he didn't catch any passes, but if you give him the ball enough, he's going to accrue the yards. So I think it's just a matter again, of your format and like how you play, 
Also, to your point, I agree with you. You should not have all of your running backs as those guys (laughs) because there's really – there is a floor, I guess, but it's a really shaky floor. Right. Um, Game script dependent and all those other things. But if you have like an Adrian Peterson or a Jordan Howard and a James White, I think that's – those are both like late-round running backs that you can just kind of – take a take a draft pick on see what happens but i think they even each other out nice where you're going to have that like yardage and td upside with um ap and then you're going to have that like big game with Tariq cohen potentially able to happen but you don't want to set up yourself for just P, uh you know receiving backs and on the other turn you don't want to set up with just adrian peterson derrick henry and jordan howard as your running backs either because you know again if those teams get blown out their other running backs going to come in there to catch those balls. Cause like, like I just mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we're living in a different time in the NFL where every team seemingly is uh, taking the, you know, running back out of the backfield um, position as an extra receiver. So I think there's an even balance there, but I, I do agree with you there. And um, if I remember correctly, you didn't, I mean, you weren't horrible in the league. I mean, you made the playoffs and everything like that. I think the biggest thing that hurt you was that um, Bilal Powell didn't get the work everybody thought he would when uh, Isaiah Crowell went down, and then um, Chris Thompson got hurt again. And yep. I think that was just your biggest thing. But shit, man, there was like five weeks there that James White was carrying your entire team. <laughs> especially when, especially when uh, uh, Melvin Gordon went out. You know, James White and Tariq Cohen just went berserk, and I actually managed to survive some of those weeks, mostly because of that. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying those guys don't, don't have value, but you need to, you need to kind of take, I was kind of going based on sort of here's where my rankings at, you know, here's where I want to take a running back and things like that, but be more flexible, you know, just be, be more willing to say, you know what, I already got uh, James White and Chris Thompson. I think I could pass on, uh, you know, Bilal Powell. Right. Um, so, so I think that that's, that's, that's kind of the point that I'm, that I'm making. The other lesson of course here is don't be stoned when you do a fantasy draft. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or if you are, yo, yo, teach their own, you know, teach their own. But, but if you are just, uh, you know, be ready for, for the potential consequences. Um, uh, but you know, Hey, some, I know, I know many, many, I live in Eugene, Oregon, man. I know many, many people in Berkeley, California is the same. I know many, many people who perform much better uh, under the influence of something. So, uh, you know, to each their own. (laughs) We'll see. That'll do it for this episode. Tune in next time as we run through our first mock draft of 2019. Daniel and I will be mock drafting a full PPR 12-team league early in the season before all the trades and free agency in the NFL draft happen to give our initial reactions from 2018 and first thoughts on 2019. Follow us and find us on Instagram at the Candlestick Kids with the hashtag TCKPod. You can find our podcast anywhere you like to listen to your favorite podcast. Until next time, for Dana Stancato, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are out of here! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.